Fasten your seatbelts. It's going to be a bumpy night. I'm going to get that gun of mine, and I'm going to change you from a rooster to a hen with one shot. Some people call me a freak. I hate that word. I don't believe in it. Better yet, I don't believe in labels. You know, I think you're the only girl in the world that can stand on a stage with a spotlight in her eye and still see a diamond inside a man's pocket. Because I'm up at five every morning working my ass off. Does someone want to just tell me to my face, you're never going to give me the scores I deserve? Welcome to Girls on Film, the film review podcast from a female perspective. I'm your host, Anna Smith. And today I'll be talking to two young actresses who break new ground in the film Chemical Hearts, which is new to Amazon Prime Video, our partners for this episode. I'll also be joined by author Tanya Byrne to talk about LGBT plus representation in young adult novels and more. Based on Crystal Sutherland's hit novel, Chemical Hearts stars Austin Abrams as Henry, a 17-year-old romantic who falls for a troubled transfer student, Grace, who's played by Lily Reinhardt. Let's have a listen to a clip. Hey Grace, just want to say hi. And that hope last night just kind of meant a tiny fraction to you as it meant to me. <sighs> that was dumb. The teenage years are limbo. Is that your mom? No. Yeah, it doesn't matter. The world tells you to express yourself, but the minute that you do, it tells you to shut up. Just ask her what's going on. Are you all right? I don't know like, how I'm supposed to help. I messed Why? up, Henry. I'm it's okay. Up. No, it's not when you realize you can't fix me. Directed by Richard Tanney, Chemical Hearts is a moving watch, but it isn't just a straight love story. Henry's friend La, played by Cara Young, is openly queer and attracted to her schoolmate Cora, played by Coral Pena. Let's hear from them. Cara and Coral, welcome to Girls on Film. It's lovely to have you on the show. Thank you for having me. Yeah, thank you for having us. It's a real pleasure and congratulations on Chemical Hearts. It is, of course, a romance principally between the characters of Henry and Grace. But I thought the supporting characters are really important in this story. And I was especially interested in your characters. Cara, can you tell the listeners more about your character? Uh, La is an unapologetically black, queer, creative, radical thinker going to change the world after high school for sure and she's Henry's best friend but she's also dealing with the deepest crush she's ever faced in her life which is Cora. Um, Coral tell us where your character is when we first meet her what kind of mindset she's in because she's going through a bit of emotional turmoil isn't she? Yeah um, so my character comes from a very clearly strict Latin background. And so much like a lot of Latin kids, she's dealing with the homophobia that she fears within herself and within those around her. And so at the beginning of the film, she's finally decided to stop caring about all the pieces around being an openly queer kid and has embraced it and has decided to pursue probably the biggest crush she's ever had or really the biggest eventual love that she ever had, which is a lost character. Cara, what did you think was refreshing about what we see with both your characters really and the relationship they have? Because I found it quite sort of groundbreaking in some ways in terms of what we normally see in, let's say, teen movies or young adult movies. Yeah, I think that the fact that we're showing brown queer love is symbolic and important. It's important for young brown 
queer people to feel absolutely free. And I think that's probably why you leaned in a little bit more when our characters were introduced. Because there is a little bit of a revolutionary kind of thing to see two brown women in love on camera, especially in a teen movie. One of the things that's most exciting about La and Cora's relationship is the fact that it's not really questioned. There's moments where you see that my character, Cora, is maybe still slightly dealing with um, the fact that she is a queer girl, but for the most part, you know, there's just love and kisses and holding hands and none of the surrounding people are questioning it. And I think sometimes when there's queer love in a film, especially teenagers, there's this moment of like, whoa, are you guys gay? And I kind of just love that everyone's (laughs) like, oh, cool, you guys are gay. Awesome. No issues. So I think that's what makes it so or feel so groundbreaking that it's kind of casual all at the same time. Um, and that casualness is just so refreshing to see. It's almost like there's like this waking conflict, right? That usually queer characters or any LGBTQIA characters are actually battling their queerness. I completely agree with you, Coral. Like the world is usually questioning the queerness while it's happening. And the questioning has been eliminated the outer conflict of the world has been eliminated. It's an absolute reality for Black queer people to feel absolutely free. You know, Cora comes in and she's pretty much past this fear of gayness. But La is just like so comfortably gay that it's not even talked about. It's like, oh yeah, that's the person I like. And that's it. That's the end of the conversation, which is just so freaking cool yeah it's so dope hey guys uh are you going to eslin's tonight maybe we might come through cool well i hope you do what time is else picking us up um i do not know i'm not going no 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 (laughs) no we're going a little beautiful creature who might be a part of the fairy kingdom like myself just invited me to her magical enchanted forest. And I'm going to take this opportunity to fly. Did you guys know each other before you filmed it? Well, can I tell you a story? Tell me a story. Okay, so like the real deal is like, first of all, Coral and I are both from Harlem, raised in Harlem, which is really crazy, right? <laughs> but then on top of that, so I saw this play called Blacks and I was introduced to Coral yeah. by watching that play. And I was like, oh my God, I like love her. That's so <laughs> kind. I'm so critical of me in that play. So that's so kind. <laughs> I like fell in love with you. And then, so in my callback, when I was walking out of my callback, mm-hmm. I saw her and I was like, oh my God, I love you so much. <laughs> I don't even know what I said to you, Coral, but I was like, oh my God, I just saw you in this play and like, I love you. <laughs> Well, I saw you exit as I was about to enter. Right. And you know when you just like, you see someone exit a room and there's a pep in their step. And so I just, I honestly, I'm not just saying this looking back. In the moment, I saw you walk out and I was like, ah, she got that part. Because we actually both went in for a lot. Cora wasn't originally in the story. Mm. The creation of my character and me being in this is really a result of both Kara and Richard. That's kind of the cool evolution of our relationship, which was this thing of like, why are we making this uh, 
queer character even more of a background by not giving them a story. So yeah, I mean, we met at the callback and now we're like friends, friends. It's awesome. Like, I love you, Kara. <laughs> I love Coral so much. I love you too, Coral. It's like, it's deep. It's deep. But you know what? The truth is when I got to my fitting, you know, it was introduced to me as like, this is your love interest. So first of all, like, I'm like, I like secretly have like the biggest crush on this woman. So when I found out it was Coral, I was like, oh my God, like Richard. You know, we had just had discussions about exploration with sexuality and how important it was to feel free to explore that. And he just gave us a voice and it was a very, very safe space. And so there was a lot of power in our hands in regards to feeling like the artists that we are. Well, especially as black women, you know, it's like you're always scared that if you speak up in a specific way that it'll be uh, it'll register to someone else's ears as more violent than it is or um, right. they just won't take it as seriously. So, I mean, that's the other thing of like, you know, we are pretty much for most of the film, the two non-white characters and what that creates just while you're on set before you even film of knowing that you have a partner. It also affects what you do on a screen. Um, yeah, we love each As you can tell, we said it a million times, but we love each other. We do. <laughs> I think this is adorable. I'm just loving listening to this and sitting back and letting you guys carry on with your loving. When did you last see each other in the flesh? Oh, gosh. Oh, my God. When do we see each I feel like I see you often because we talk pretty much often, right? Like, for the most part, like... I don't think I've seen anyone. I was in LA um, working on a project before the pandemic hit. So... I want to say it was probably before then, but it might have been when we wrapped and then we were like, we had plans to meet up and then I went to LA, the pandemic hit and now we're, no one is seeing anyone. <laughs> Nobody is seeing anybody. <laughs> <laughs> it's sad. <laughs> it is. That's right. I'm glad we brought you back together for this anyway. What are you both up to? Cara first, what's the next project for you that can be announced? Um, I don't have an answer for that. <laughs> <laughs> You were in something, though, when the pandemic hit. Oh, my God. Yes. Wow. Thank you for reminding me. <laughs> um, I'm mourning my past life, y'all. Um, so I'm an actor, first of all. I love the stage. The stage is my foundation. The theater is my foundation. I was in this incredible play called All the Natalie Portmans. And um, it was very sad because we ended two weeks premature of closing. But... Long story short, it was a play called All the Natalie Portmans, which was really about a young queer teenager named Kiana who was on the brink of poverty and she's grieving the loss of her father. And her way of coping um, is her connection to movies and her obsession with Natalie Portman. And it becomes a bigger, larger conversation about media and propaganda. And her obsession with Natalie Portman is sort of reaching for a reality that is just not true to her because she's literally on the brink of poverty. It was such a beautiful play. It was such a deep play. But that's what I was doing before the pandemic. Sorry, that took so long. Oh, it sounds fantastic. Oh, I also want to brag for Kara, which is Kara is probably one of the most well-respected theater artists in New York. I honestly stand by that and many others would too. So oh my God. reach out to Kara when things open, when the th when theater opens, because, you know, you'll be doing something. It's just, 
I love you. It's true. It's true. <laughs> you you are. So I just want to brag. Sorry. Bless you. Bless you. And Coral, have you got anything to brag about for yourself, or would Coral like to brag for you? <laughs> um, I am working on a um, a project that has so many NDAs attached. It's annoying. But uh, I was working on it before the pandemic hit. Now we're going back to um, finish it. The most I can say is that it is a a show on a streaming platform, which can mean a lot of things. But you know, we'll get more info. I'm I'm sure um, as the year goes on. Hopefully, we finish wrapping without uh, any glitches. That would be amazing. Well, talking of streaming, I'm curious to know what you've both been watching during the pandemic when you've been unexpectedly at home. Have there been anything good that you've seen you'd recommend to our listeners? I may, I may destroy, destroy you. you. Oh my gosh! <laughs> <laughs> you are in sync. I may destroy you is one of the most brilliant pieces of. To me, it's like it's 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 TV gold. It is golden. It is golden for black women, for women, for people, for the non-binary, for the binary. Like it is absolutely an ode to human and the all of the complications around consent and body and identity. I can completely evolve with these answers because I know that I'm going to go back and watch it after it's all finished. Yeah. You know, and I will find something new every single time. Yeah. I mean, it, on a smaller note, it's like mind blowing to me just on a lighting level where I feel like a lot of times you have film or TV with black women, black skin, particular darker skin, and you can't see them. And right. when they are lit, it's so stark and it's not very, it's not, you know, there is this middle ground between lighting someone so that you can see them and um, being artful about it. And I know it's such a minor thing, but it it is actually a big deal. The lighting is just great. <laughs> the lighting is great and it's beautiful and it's artistic. And yeah. not only can you see these beautiful black women, but you see all of their beautiful black features. Yeah, you're highlighting all these things in a way that I just don't think you always see on on screen, which is awesome. That's great to know that you're enjoying that show because obviously it's really big over here in the UK, but I'm glad that it's traveling and that you guys are responding to it. Oh my goodness, it is more, I'm getting goosebumps talking about it. Yeah, we're, I mean, it's it's interesting too because it, it does have a particularly um, British tone to it at times mm. and sometimes I'm like, I feel like I'm looking into a new world. I'm like, oh... Okay, interesting. So Americans are, are loving it. it. It's not just us two. Americans are loving it. We talked actually about another aspect of that show on Girls on Film on our YouTube show about the fact that it's so open about women's bodies and what goes on with women's bodies, like the scene with the tampon, for example. And you just don't see that enough. I was just thinking of that. Mm. Yeah, when you were saying that, I was like, it's that scene, that scene. <laughs> Yeah, when she put on her pad, like it was so like the simplistic things of putting on a pad. Yeah, exactly. The things that you don't see. Yeah, yeah, it's exciting. Now, is there anything else that you've been loving? Or that clearly is the number one hit with you two. Yo, pose, yo. <laughs> so first of all, the soundtrack is like my life, right? But then the theatricalization of black bodies is so comforting to watch. This is sort of like on a whole other level of watching theater and the ballroom scene and the culture of ballroom scene, which is very physical on camera, which to me is so revol- it's a revolutionary piece of art for sure. 
All right. Good recommendation. Thank you. The ballroom is about us. We took dance from mainstream and posing in magazines and created Vogue. It's a place you can live out a fantasy that you never lived before. At the core of it, it's community. It's about being alone and then finding people that are just like you. I'm able to be true to myself in a space where that's celebrated. That makes me feel beautiful. Give him some music and pose! Obviously, A Chemical Hearts is an adaptation of a young adult novel. And you've rightly pointed out that in the, in the source novel for this, your characters don't have a romance because only one of your characters actually existed. Have you read any young adult novels that you think do speak to the LGBTQ plus experience? Oh, man. It's funny. I've been on a lot of um, phone calls with my high school. Like a lot of the alumni of color have gathered together and kind of decided to approach the school and say that there's things that need to be changed. I mean, almost every high school has those issues, especially in modernizing uh the curriculum. One of the things that someone said on a call was that one of the first books that had any type of queerness in it was this book, The Kite Runner. And we were saying how there is a rape scene in it. And we were talking about how scarring it was that for a lot of young gay teenagers, their first discussion of gayness in a classroom setting was a rape scene where teachers and students, because we don't talk about what it is to be gay, is like, oh, is this what a gay relationship is? That is something that that came up and it's made me really aware about what books I am picking up because I think queerness and literature, a, a lot of stuff can be really dated and can be so harmful. It's a really good point, especially what when people come across things first and start discussing subjects first. It's quite important what those things are, and I think Chemical Hearts is a great example. Exactly. I mean, yeah, that's the, that's the best part about this film is that it's so healthy. <laughs> it's so darn healthy. <laughs> like that's amazing. It's super healthy. Before I let you go, is there anything else you wanted to? leave the girls on film listeners with with regards to chemical hearts or anything else oh man um can i just say something you know we we do it do it girl do it well i was gonna say i was gonna say something about the symbolism of cora and la finding each other in this particular narrative and i was thinking about sisterhood i was thinking about love i was thinking about queer identity. I was thinking about being unapologetic about who you are. I was thinking about reaching for the deepest authenticity of self and let that being ever evolving because we have the permission to evolve as humans. And to be a radical thinker and thinking outside the box without the constructs of the world telling you what you are, create what you are, be who you want to be. That's what I was going to say. That's beautiful. Thank you. I'll leave it at that. I think that's beautiful. I, that's perfect. Excellent. You have both been such good value and really thought-provoking. Thanks for coming on Girls on Film. Oh, thank you for having thank us. Thank you so much. We so appreciate it. Blessings to y'all. I hooked up with a lot of girls last summer. <laughs> okay. Yeah, I was just really confused after we 
No. I know. I don't know, I, I, I tried to uh, figure that out, I guess. But I realized that I didn't feel anything for any of them. I don't necessarily know how to um, label myself, but I know what I feel when you're in front of me. Chemical Hearts is on Amazon Prime now. My next guest is Tanya Byrne. Tanya's debut young adult novel, Heart Shaped Bruise, earned her a nomination for New Writer of the Year at the National Book Awards in 2012. Since then, she's written several YA novels, including After Love, which is out next year. Tanya's bio describes her as a brown, queer, working-class author who is passionate about encouraging authors from marginalised backgrounds to tell their own stories. She sounds like our kind of woman. So, Tanya, welcome to Girls on Film. Hi, thanks for having me. Well, and we're very pleased to have you on today because it sounds like you're kind of an expert in what we've been speaking about. We've been talking <laughs> about how important it is to see queer love stories in young adult novels, and I'm guessing that's something you feel pretty strongly about. Definitely. I think it's the subject of my next novel, which is essentially a love story, but it involves Grim Reapers. And my whole philosophy for writing is to make sure that everyone is seen in the stories that they read. YA wasn't really a thing for me. I'm 44 this year. And when I grew up, I don't really remember, apart from Judy Bloom, I don't really remember having books like this. So my thing is always like to write the books that I needed when I was 16. That's lovely. And tell us more, is it After Love? After Love, coming yeah. coming out next year. Yeah, so tell us about the story in that. It's about a girl called Ash, and she meets a girl called Poppy, and they fall head over heels in love. And then on New Year's Eve, she sneaks out and meets Poppy on the beach. But her mum finds out and she has to kind of rush home. And in her rush to come home, she's hit by a car and she dies. And the legend goes that the last person to die on New Year's Eve becomes the Grim Reaper for their parish. So she kind of describes herself as an Uber driver for the recently dead. So that's basically all she has to do. And obviously she really mourns her old life and she really wants to see Poppy again. But obviously the only way that she can see Poppy is if Poppy's going to die. Ooh. And there's like a little bit at the beginning about all the girls she met before Poppy who just used her to experiment and would say the next morning that they were drunk or, you know, ghost her. And now she's met someone who wants her and wants to be seen with her and they're loved and seen and appreciated and... It's such a, an important thing for me anyway. Uh, I didn't come out till I was 40. I didn't come out till after my mum passed away. So my career is definitely separated into before I came out and after I came out. So my books have always explored identity, but it's definitely more explicit now that I feel able to kind of talk about it. Have you found publishers and people in general have been very responsive or has there ever been any kind of pushback on these kind of themes in young adult novels? I don't think there's ever been a pushback as such. I think it's definitely a case of publishing as a business and we all have this very bohemian idea of that we can write whatever books or tell whatever stories that we want to tell. But at the end of the day, they do look at what sells and what doesn't sell and the argument often is that these types of books don't sell because the audience isn't there. And I think we've proved over the last 10 years, because my first book was published in 2012. Since then, I've seen a huge shift in the number of these books and, you know, readers and 
bloggers and booksellers and librarians calling out for them and saying, yeah, we do need them. And I pushed towards diversity in all of publishing, not just gay stories, but also whatever marginalised group that you're from, you deserve to be seen and you deserve to be a wizard and you deserve to be a witch or a vampire if you want to be. And while coming out stories are always going to be popular and they're always really, really essential because it doesn't matter how many coming out stories there are. The first time a 14-year-old picks one up in a library or in a bookshop, that's the first time that they've read that story. But what I'm hoping to see and what we're beginning to see is stories about more than just coming out where gay characters get to be, like I said, witches or vampires or wizards. Right, at the centre of the story and their sexuality isn't necessarily the story, it's just a factor of their personality. As I've said, if the most interesting thing you've got to say about your character is that they're gay, you're doing it wrong. (laughs) Right, that's good, well said. I I think um, the actresses from Chemical Hearts would agree with you and what we've been celebrating with that film is that It's quite unusual still, I think, to see on screen because I think books are generally ahead of movies. It's interesting to see two young non-white queer girls attracted to each other in a film and that not to be particularly, you know, it's not a big drama. It just is. For a long time, it was often something shameful Mm. or it was a device to blackmail characters. I know you're gay, so I'm going to blackmail you. And there was lots of stories for a little while about teenagers killing themselves because they were gay and that's the sort of thing that I would like to see us move on from while those stories are still valid they shouldn't be the only story I mean I don't know if you have seen Chimamanda Ngozi Adichie's TED talk about the danger of the single story no sounds interesting really really interesting and I thoroughly recommend it and she talks about when she was a child in Nigeria and she used to when she first started writing stories she would write about ham sandwiches and like lashings of ginger beer even though she'd never mm. even tasted them but that's because they were the only books that she was reading Enid Blyton and such like yeah. yeah so she was replicating what she was reading and I think that's why it's so important that we have more than otherwise it will just get this constant cycle of the same stories being told over and over and over again My characters also drank a lot of ginger beer because the characters in the British books I read drank ginger beer. Never mind that I had no idea what ginger beer was. (laughs) And for many years afterwards, I would have a desperate desire to taste ginger beer. But that is another story. What this demonstrates, I think, is how impressionable and vulnerable we are in the face of a story, particularly as children. Have any movies inspired your writing I think for me, I find inspiration in everything from music to podcasts to conversations that I overhear on the bus. I am a huge fan of the Before Sunrise and Before Sunset films. I like books that have a timeline. So, you know, you've got 24 hours or whatever. I just think they're beautifully done, both of those stories. Blue Valentine with Ryan Gosling Mm, and Michelle Williams. Yeah. So good. Really intense film. So good. Yeah. Really, really intense yeah. film. It's been a while since like the heyday of YA, which is, you know, obviously the Hunger Games and Twilight and that whole juggernaut of YA that we had about 10 years ago. But one of my favourite books, The Miseducation of Cameron Post, yes, was turned into a film a few years ago. You know, it was really critically well received but um, it didn't do as commercially well, sadly, as, you know, Hello, Simon. But that's a whole other conversation about, I think, one of 
the changes that I would like to see as well is that we just seem to be really embracing gay stories about men. Yes. But not yeah. so much about women. Yeah, so Love Simon did very well, didn't it? Yeah, but we we've often been championing miseducation Cameron Post on Girls on Film. We've had Desiree Akavan on, on the show. Yeah. So I'm I'm so with you. But it's interesting that, that the sexism can extend to within the gay community. I don't know if it's sexism, I think it's that need to be attracted to someone in the pairing. Right. And I think this is a hangover from fan fiction because I think if you've ever spent any time in fandom, you know that it's majority male male stories are written by straight women. Mm. And I think it's that thing of I have to fancy someone in this pairing for me to become emotionally oh. attached. So I think for a long time, male male stories have been for gay readers and also straight readers. Whereas female stories are only for female gay readers, which is not fair. <laughs> and that is something that I would like to see changed. And for a film like The Miseducation of Cameron Post to do as well as Love, Simon. Call Me By Your Name springs to mind. Because <laughs> mm. I, know, I know women my age who find that incredibly erotic and, and fair play. It is a great film, but it's interesting, isn't it? As you say, is that the sort of male-male thing as an erotic ideal to straight women yeah. can slightly mean that proper, you know, female stories aren't given the space perhaps that they should be. Yeah. Now, where can people find more about your work, Tanya? Um, just Google me. I'm on Twitter. I'm on Instagram. I've got a website, tanyaburn.com. I'm around. <laughs> Excellent. And your, your book's coming out next year now, after Love. Yeah, next yeah, June. Yeah, yeah, 2021. Good stuff. Well, best of luck with that. Thank you. And um, thank you very much for joining Girls on Film. And when, of course, one of your novels made it into a movie, then do come <laughs> back on Girls on Film and tell us about it. <laughs> of course, of course. <laughs> nice one. Thanks a lot. Thank you. Take care. Thanks for listening to Girls on Film. And thanks to our executive producer, Heather Archbold, to our producer, Jane Long, our assistant producer, Heather Dempsey, and to Amazon Prime Video. You can follow us on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook. You can find the addresses in the episode description. Girls on Film also has a Patreon page. We'd love it if you could pledge a small amount each month to support us. We're on patreon.com forward slash girls on film podcast. Please subscribe and review us if you've enjoyed this episode. And don't forget to check out our special film shows on the BFI's YouTube channel. You've been listening to me, Anna Smith, and I was joined by Cara Young, Coral Pena, and Tanya Byrne. I'll be back soon with an exclusive interview with Little Women star Eliza Scanlon about her great new film, Baby Teeth. Make sure you subscribe to us so you can be the first to hear that. Stay safe and see you soon. I met a guy on the train and I got off with him in Vienna. We're still there. Are you crazy?